Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm sure he's so happy he volunteered to do that this morning. So <laughs> thank you. Appreciate you, Judah. So happy new year and uh, good morning to you. So thankful that you're here. And uh, you may have to, or I encourage you to go back after uh, I share here today and re-listen to that set. Uh, go through that, the songs that we just sang as I listened to the words. I said, yep. That's so appropriate. Yep, so appropriate. Yep, so appropriate for what we're talking about today, where we're going in this year. Uh, it's a beautiful um, opportunity we had to worship. And so hopefully a phrase or two sticks in your mind this week and this day as we um, journey into what we're going to talk about here shortly. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 2. So if you have your device or Bible, it'll also be on the screen behind us. As you're turning there, I want to share two bits of information with you. We often have people ask, hey, I didn't know this was going on, or what about this, or what about this? Well, we have one place that you can go to that we have our updates, and we have been trying to dump everything there so you can go there. It's the weekly that gets sent out every week through email. If you want to be a part of that, please talk to Mary. She will send you the email with the weekly in it, or you can scan the QR code that's on the screen right there, or go to the website on the bottom. We just dump all the information that we have there. And I was going to take the time right now, and this is why I'm bringing it up, to give you some updates on where we're at building-wise, where we're at worship designer position-wise, where we're at with last year's numbers. I was going to take the time here, and I thought, you know what? You can read about that. So we're going to take the time and do something else, but that's why I bring that up right there. Plus, there's all sorts of events going on as we kick off the new year with um, different things from a mission trip that's going to be going to Florida in about a month, uh, potlucks coming up, teas gatherings, all sorts of different things. So go ahead and go there. And then also I want to let you know that next week we're going to begin a six-week series called You Are Not Your Own. And what we're going to be doing is we are, how many of you were here for the Thread series about three years ago, two years ago? All right, a lot of us. So we took 52 weeks to walk through scripture through the Thread series. We spent a week on each book of the Bible, which was extremely short when you really think about it in the sense of trying to take one book of the Bible every week. So in the next six weeks, we're going to go through the entire scriptures in those six-week period. So we're going to take even larger chunks and talk about that, but we're going to talk about the large, overarching, grand narratives of scripture, what God is doing, what God has done and is doing and yet to do, and then how do we fit in this story? Because so often in Western culture, it's like, I am my own person. I make my own decisions. It's all about me. How... As long as I can do whatever it is, as long as I'm not hurting anyone else, and I'm okay. It's, but there's a greater narrative of the interconnectivity in the world that we have and that what God has designed for us as individuals, yes, but individuals working into a greater narrative. And so we want to unpack that over the next six weeks. So we're going to be going through a series called You Are Not Your Own, and it's not just about your health, your wealth, and your happiness. It's that there's so much more to what God is doing in you and through you and with us as well. So that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. But today, we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2. And this past Friday was what is known as Epiphany. And Epiphany can also be known as Theophany or Three Kings Day, or it's the day that the Magi came and visited Jesus. And so often when we, even like we had the Nativity here on Christmas Eve, where the kids came and the, the Magi came in that same narrative there, the Magi came later on. And where Jesus was revealed to the Jewish people through his birth, through the Mary and Joseph, through the shepherds, through others, and then later on when the Magi came 
uh, even up to two years later, some scholars say, that this was the revealing to the Gentile people, uh, those, uh, that the, the word through Jesus was revealed there. And epiphany simply means reveal, manifestation, or appearance. And so when you, uh, we celebrate this in the church calendar, this epiphany, this giving of Jesus to the world. So in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read this narrative, a familiar narrative. We're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the chiefs or the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. This is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So this is what the prophet Micah said long before. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they bowed, or they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And so in this passage, we see the Magi do three major movements within it. Is they sought Jesus, and when they met Jesus, the Messiah, they responded to Jesus. And then afterwards, they went a different way. And so we, too, in 2023, we have an opportunity to do these same things. The new year is always a time where people re-engage, and they're like, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to read the word more, I'm going to be more engaged with my family, I'm going to work less or work more, or I'm going to do whatever it is. As you think of these things, it's in the turning of the calendar year that you're going to do to improve your world or yourself around you. And so today, I want us to think about what are some of the things that the Magi did as we move into this new year? We've got a week under our belt here already this year, but what are some things that we can do as followers of Jesus, those who are seeking Jesus, those who are asking some questions about Jesus, what is it that we can do? And so like the Magi, first I want to encourage us to seek Jesus. And we have a daily choice to seek Jesus. And so if we have a choice to seek Jesus, we also have the exact same choice not to seek Jesus. And there is not neutral ground in this when it comes to seeking Jesus. Sometimes we're like, well, okay, now I'm making the choice to follow Jesus, but otherwise I'm just in neutral. No, it's either seek Jesus or it's I'm not seeking Jesus. So this year when we think about this, what are we doing? What are we choosing? How are we being active one way or the other? Now about 500 years before Jesus' birth, as we think of the Magi who sought Jesus, about 500 years before Jesus' birth, there was a man named King Nebuchadnezzar who had a really bad dream. And I'm talking a really, really bad dream. So much so that he called all his magicians, 
his magi, his wise men, to come before him and to say, hey, tell me what my dream means. They were a little nervous because he also said, hey, if you don't tell me what that means, you're all dead. You're all gone. We're starting all over with you. So Daniel was there in exile, and he prayed and he asked God, God, give me the ability to interpret this dream. So he goes before the king and he interprets the dream, and not only does he save the lives of the magicians, the magi, but he forever changes the trajectory of his own life and others around him. And so what's believed from this narrative is that the magi from that point started to understand who the God of the Hebrews, the Jewish people, were. They started reading the Hebrew scriptures, following after this God, understanding the prophecy that was foretold in scriptures. So fast forward 500 years, we have the Magi that we have in our story here in Matthew chapter 2. That they were paying attention to the star. They were understanding the prophecy that was foretold of Jesus, the Messiah. And so like the shepherds who went and found Jesus, they too chose to seek Jesus. See, there wasn't an in-between for them. They had to choose and choose again and again and again. Now, the journey they took was somewhere between five to 700 miles. This is a two-year journey that the Magi would have taken to find Jesus. It wasn't something, hey, hop in the car. We're going to just road trip it overnight. We're going to be really tired when we get there. We're going to meet Jesus, get refreshed, and then jump in the car and drive back. They had to commit. So they had to choose to seek Jesus in the moment, but they had to continue on every day, every day that went on. They'd wake up in the morning, even after a really bad last day or a sickness or a discouragement or something that happened, all right, I'm going to continue to seek Jesus. I'm going to continue to seek Jesus. And for us, it is a one-time decision, and it is an everyday decision after that. Choose to seek Jesus. The Magi made a choice, and we too make choices every single day, even in our hardship, even in our discouragement, even in our busyness. It is both a single decision and an ongoing commitment to follow Jesus. So here at the church, we have a mission statement that we have had for years and years and years that say, we wanna be about developing followers of Jesus who serve to reach one more. So we wanna be people who intentionally seek Jesus to develop. We wanna be people who intentionally seek Jesus to serve one another and serve the community. We wanna intentionally be people who seek Jesus to reach one more. So in 2023, we as a church made up of all of us have decisions daily whether we're gonna develop and serve and reach. Back to the passage here in Matthew chapter two. Verse four and five, they seek Jesus and they encounter Herod, King Herod, and they encounter the, the leaders, the, essentially the, the priests, the pastors, the scholars of his court. And this is what unfolds in verse 4 and 5. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. They answered, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, this is extremely disturbing to me. And you may read that and say, that's really confusing to you. But this is why this is disturbing. 
Here the Magi had traveled this great distance, and they had asked a question of the people closest to King Herod, and King Herod's people answered it right away. See, they knew where the Messiah was to be born. They knew the answer. They had the scripture there. The Magi traveled the 600 miles to find Jesus. And there Herod and his court are five miles away from Jesus. Less than a two-hour walk. They have the answer in front of them. And as far as we can tell, they just went right back to work. Because what did, Herod, what did King Herod tell the Magi? You go find Jesus, let me know what you find, and then maybe we'll do something. Right? He did not go himself. His court did not go with him. didn't send anyone. He just sent the Magi ahead. See, what makes me nervous about this as a follower of Christ is that I can be so close in proximity to Jesus, to the word, to prayer, to worship, to whatever it may be, that there is this like distance that is inherently there. Like I can be so close to the answer and have all the answers, but not engage where I truly encounter Jesus. Where do I truly allow the Spirit of God to change me? Where I truly go to the place that we're called to through transformation. This is where Herod and his courts were. They had the answers. They went to church. They read their Bibles. They worshiped. They weren't changed. I wonder if the Magi, as they stood there, were like, seriously? Like, this is your response? Yep, he's just down the road. Go check him out. Go, really? What, what's going on? And I wonder, too, for people that look at us as followers of Jesus, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, they look at us and they're like, seriously? Like, this is it? This is how you're going to act and, and you say you're close to Jesus? Are we a people who are not transformed, who, who have sort of sought Jesus, but not gotten so close that we're really transformed? At the same time, on, on the flip side of this, I think this can be a really encouraging passage. If you're here today and you're questioning Christianity, you're questioning what you've seen, maybe you've been hurt by a Christian, um, maybe you're in the process of either walking away from faith or maybe in the process of walking back to Jesus or wherever you're at, you're just in this space where you're not firm right now. I think this passage can be really, or not confusing, can be really helpful to you because the Magi, too, were outsiders. They felt apart from the religious norm. They were confused by what they saw. They encountered people like Herod in his court, but they were seeking Jesus. And what happened when they found Jesus? With Mary and Joseph, they were welcomed. The Magi bowed down and they worshiped. They were welcomed Jesus. So I hope this passage is a little offsetting and encouraging both ways, is that maybe you feel like you're close because you've just gone through the motion and you really, really need to seek Jesus. Or maybe you feel far away. I want you to know that you are welcomed as well, that this place that you're processing is not a place that you have to stay or stay away from, that you can encounter Jesus, that we want to continue to seek him this year. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
I've been guilty so often as I follow Jesus that I'm like half-hearted, just going through the motions. This passage is saying, find God when you seek him with all your heart. God doesn't hide. God wants to be found. We've been given the word of God. We've been given prayer. We've been given each other. So this year, I want to encourage us, wherever you're at, to seek Jesus wholeheartedly. But not to stop there. The second part is, I pray that we would respond to Jesus. As we seek Jesus, we would respond to Jesus. Because again, the Magi could have come to where Jesus was and like, there he is, bye. But they stopped, they worshiped, they gave their gifts. They were expectant. Verse 11 says this. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They went expectant. They brought gifts. I wonder how many of us today came here expectant. Or is it just something that we do? Well, it's 10 o'clock. It's time for church. Like, were we expectant? When we were worshiping, were we expecting to experience God, expecting to, to give God praise? Or did we just come in, sit, sing some words? We can be so rushed with getting ready and even thinking about what's next beyond this. Do we come expectant? And this is the same thing when we read or pray throughout the week. Are we expectant? Maybe nothing happens and quote unquote God doesn't show up because we're not expectant. We're not expecting to see God move. We're not expecting and trusting that God's going to work in a situation or that he's going to use us in a certain way. Like, oh, this is my schedule. Walk through it. Man, I'm so guilty of this. Just moving through my schedule. Do we come expectant? C.S. Lewis said, look for Christ and you will find him. And with him, everything else. Again, we can be so guilty of looking for everything else, making sure everything is in line, and then seeking Jesus. Whereas if we seek Jesus, and we respond to Jesus, everything our heart desires is there. The prophet Isaiah said these words, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call on him while he is near. And Jesus said this in John, Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And again, maybe you're here today saying, Chris, if you only knew, like God knows what I've said and what I've done. Yep, he does. He does. But he's saying, whoever comes to me, whoever seeks me, whoever responds to me, I'm not going to drive away. Not going to drive away. God's ways are so far above our ways. He is, he is a good good father, not any sort of father here on earth. We are all, we all have our shortcomings. Some fathers have failed miserably. That's not the picture of the father God. This is a good father that we should all strive to be like. Won't drive you away, even if you've been pushed away by others, by humans. So may we be people who are expectant and respond and respond to God. May we seek Jesus. May we respond. And then the third thing we see with the Magi is they, they sought Jesus, they responded by worshiping, and then they were warned in a dream to go a different way. 
And I love this part of the scripture in verse 12. It says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, a couple things in here. They returned to their country. They didn't just pick a direction and be like, yeah, let's go see what this direction is. Like, they went a different route back home. So often when we hear something like this, you, you think you have to radically change your orientation and life and everything around you. You have to sell everything and go to some foreign country. Maybe that's what it is, but not for the majority of us. It's like the Magi. We're called to go back home. We're called to go to what God has already called us to, but to go a different route, to change our way, to change our path, to change the way we expect God to move. When we encounter the risen Savior, Jesus, when we respond to him, we can't help but be changed. Can't help but be changed. If you were here last week, at the beginning of service, I, I took a few moments to talk about surprise. And I talked about to expect surprise this year and, and that we would pray for surprise. And as I prepared for that, it sounded really great when I was typing it out. But as I stood here and I prayed that, I got really uncomfortable, super uncomfortable as I was praying for surprise and trusting God in all these different areas that he would surprise us and he would move. I thought, why in the world am I praying for this? It's like praying for patience, right? You've prayed, prayed for patience and then you've had opportunity to be patient, right? Because it's opportunity that God gives us, not just that patience. It's that same way I started feeling uncomfortable with that want surprise. I want it to be normal and comfortable and just, let's just go along. But this is what I thought about and prayed about this week, is that there will always be surprise in life. We can never perfectly plan or expect everything. You know that. You've all lived long enough to know that. But our call, if we're following Jesus, is to follow Jesus where he calls us to, and that may be a surprise. Guess what? If we're following Jesus to the place that he's called us into, even if it is a surprise, God is there in that spot. He is there in that moment. He is with you. We may want to be over here, but God has called us to be here, and he's here with us. And he's going to give you what you need. He's going to give you the strength to go through it, even when you feel weak. He's with you. God is with you with you, calling you to return to your country, but to go a different route and to know that he is with you. I want to be in God's will. So I have no idea what this year looks like. You have no idea what this year looks like. We have plans. You have plans. But where he calls you, be expectant. Be ready to go unexpected places, knowing that he's with you. So what does this look like? I just talked about seeking God, responding to God, and going somewhere unexpected. These are these big ideas that, I don't know what this looks like. I don't really know either. But God's going to give us opportunities. And so I want to start giving some trajectory. I want to give three encouragements, three words um, to start to wrestle with when in, we are seeking and responding and going places that are unexpected. So the first word is this, is connection and community. How are you connecting? How are you finding community? Where is that at? Sundays are important, but it is a really small percentage of your week. 
I'm really glad you're here. Whether you realize it or not, others are glad you're here. Because this gathering and this time is not just about you. It's an encouragement to others too. But you live a huge percentage of your time outside of this hour every single week. So how do you continue to connect? How do you continue to find community? Who is that person or people or group that you're being encouraged to grow? That you're accountable to? I want to encourage you not to isolate. I have a giant temptation as an introvert that I just want to isolate. Like, I just, give me a book, dark corner in a room with a, you know, a little light, and I'm happy. That's one of my great temptations, but I need connection. I need community, and you do as well, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. How are you going to meet with one another? How are you going to connect with one another? What are some intentional steps that you can take? Yes, spend time in the Word and pray together, but also share a meal. Play a game. Go somewhere. Share life together. What does this look like? Get to know someone. Now, you will not know everyone here, nor in the first service. I mean, if you do, I'm, I commend you. That is amazing. But sometimes people just try so hard to connect with everyone on a Sunday and get really frustrated that I don't know everyone. Just know that it's most likely not going to happen. But who are the people that you do know? Who are the people that you're connecting with here on Sunday, but also beyond in the week? Who are people that know you, know what's going on, that can pray for you, can check in, or know if you're struggling with something, they can say, hey, how are you doing in this area? What's happening in this? How's that family member? How's that friend? How's that situation? Who is that group of people? Again, that person or people or group, whatever it is. Who is that? Are you putting yourself out there to get to know people and to allow people to get to know you? To find that group is so important for your growth as you seek Jesus, as you respond to Jesus. There. We want to give tools along the way, too. We don't want to be the answer, but we want to be able to assist. And so on January 22nd, we're having a communities gathering. Communities are our small groups here at FBC. Colleen and Carla and uh, Jacob have been working on this, and they're going to give us an opportunity to connect. So maybe you're in a group already, a community group, a small group, or maybe you're looking for one. This is a opportunity to do this. And so there's going to be a gathering here on the 22nd in the afternoon to help you get plugged in, um, to help you share life with others, to, to give you uh, people to walk with. A great opportunity. And we'll be giving you more information in the weeks to come with this. Sundays are important, but beyond this as well. So community and connection. What are ways that you can connect with other uh, people this year? Second thing is formation. Is that I think of the Magi who had their community amongst themselves, but they also connected with Mary and Joseph and Jesus. But along the way, the formation that took place too, how are they developing? Dallas Willard, he said there's the two most important questions that every church has to answer is what is your discipleship process? And the second question is, is how is it going? And so we want, again, it to be more than Sundays. We want to give opportunities for discipleship. And so a couple different ways that we are doing that is on January 29th, we're going to be relaunching our rooted community groups. These are going to be different than the other communities. The other communities are more life-centered, and, and yeah, there's study and prayer together. 
but Rooted is a more heavy discipleship, 10-week journey that you're going to be processing prayer and the word, freedom from strongholds, sacrificial generosity, serving the community, sharing your story, and celebrating. And so there's going to be a gathering here on the 29th if you're looking for a deeper discipleship opportunity in a small group environment. But there's also opportunities. There's a group meeting right now uh, just beyond that wall. Uh, Dave Mead and Susan Van Zant are leading that class. There's Women's Heart on Wednesday mornings. Uh, Stephen Ministers are going to be leading a group called Lord Heal My Heart. We all have pain. We all have hardship. So they're going to be leading a group um, that will be going through a book and, and processing that. I'm going to be leading uh, a group uh, through theology and the mission of God. We're going to be talking about a lot of different ologies. Uh, and so it'll be a theology-based group. So these opportunities to be formed. But I want you to think of this, is that you can, if this is your only formation, it's not having a very large impact on you. I'll tell you that. If you're just listening to me talk for 30 minutes, it's not much of a formative reality. Because you think of all the messages that you're getting everywhere else throughout the week, that is having a greater formative reality in your view of God, in your view of people, in the view of society, in the view of um, what we're all about. So if this is the only formation, it's having a very minimal impact. And so we, again, we want to encourage you to be formed as disciples. Maybe one of these groups, but maybe what it is is reading the word every day. Since I began as the lead pastor, we started one daily decision. And I started saying, what if we all made one daily decision to be in the word? How would that transform us as individuals in the church? One daily decision. So we wanna encourage you, we wanna give you readings. We're gonna do that uh, starting this week. It'll be on the weekly. It is on the weekly actually right now for next week and then we'll continue to do that. Starting next week, we'll give you questions to discuss in whatever group that is, whether that's at home or your community group or whatever it may be connecting to the message. So this is a way to develop. Many of you are studying the word on your own. You're in different groups and different studies to continue to be formed in these different ways. Not just to let it happen passively, but to be active in your own formation. So connection and formation. And the third thing is that this can't just be about information gathering. It's really gotta be about the practice of it. So the word praxis is a word that I love is what does it mean to really follow Jesus, to live out his teaching, to be changed by who he is? Jesus said to his disciples, he said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Do you know that as a follower of Christ, Jesus has sent you into the world? Whether you have noticed it or not is when you exit the building, for the last probably year or two, there's been a sign above the doors that says you are sent. It's a reminder of Every time we exit these doors is that we are sent into the world as light, as salt, on mission. This is through our words and through our actions. And we put those words above the door as that reminder to go out. And I've seen some of you, kind of like at Notre Dame where they hit the sign when they go through the hallway, I've seen some of you touch that you are sent sign as a reminder. Maybe there's a practice there of this reminder that we're sent and I pray that we would be a church this year that is vibrant, not just in, in our formation, in knowledge, and in change within, heart change, but that that heart change would really radically push us into practicing what it is we believe. That we would see ourselves as missionaries, sent into our schools and workplaces and neighborhoods, 
social settings, groups, wherever we go. That some of you would say yes to short-term mission, whether that's the Florida trip that's going out in February from here or whether that is another opportunity you have for short-term mission. Or maybe God is working on your heart for long-term mission. Maybe there's an individual or a family that God has just been knocking on your door saying, hey, you know what? I need you to uproot and go here. I'm calling you here. So what does it look like for you to say yes to Jesus? Because all of this is about reaching one more for Jesus. Peter's core message is found in Acts chapter two, and Peter said this. He said, repent and be baptized. Turn to Jesus, be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter's saying, hey, this is the call, this is the mission. People to repent and be baptized. You may have noticed the tree over here, and if you're new or you've not heard what this tree represents, is we set this tree up years ago, and there's light bulbs on this tree. And the, tr- the light bulb at the bottom is representing those who have said yes to following Jesus and are rooted and growing in their faith. If you were here two weeks ago, the lights were illuminated on that tree, representing those who in the last year had said yes for the first time to following Jesus or who had re- rededicated their lives. And that was just glowing. And there was a point even in the year where we stopped turning new bulbs on there. We, um, just there people continued to meet Jesus, and it was just illuminated. We needed to drill more holes. So this year is a new year, and we start anew. Uh, those who said yes to following Jesus last year, uh, who were baptized, are rooted. And if you look at our numbers last year, and numbers just are representative, is, you know, there's well over 60 people who said yes to following Jesus for the first time or rededicated their life. There's well over 20 people who were baptized last year, and we want to continue to see people come to know Christ, not for our glory or our name, but for the name of Jesus. So we want to see people turning bulbs, saying, yes, I am following Jesus. So I ask you the question that I haven't asked for a while, is who's your one? Who is that one person that you're praying for, that you're sharing life with? Maybe someday God will open that door for them to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Who is your one? Not I'm praying for my whole family, that's great, do that. Not I'm praying for my whole neighborhood, that's fine too. But who is that one person that you're being really intentional with? Last year, there's over 220 names, I think it was, that were identified, that you identified as your ones. Some of those people have met Jesus. So who's your new one? Maybe your one is still the same one. My one's still the same one. So who is that person? So this year, in 2023, we want to connect. We want to be intentional about connecting. We want to be intentional about being formed as followers of Jesus. We want to be intentional about living out our faith, not just head knowledge, but doing what the word says. And so may we as a people seek Jesus. The power of Jesus by his Holy Spirit moving us. May we respond to Jesus. And ultimately, may we go. May we go a different way, an unexpected way, a surprising way in the places that God has called us to. Probably looks a lot like last year. God's gonna do something different, going a different route like the Magi did. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, you call us to the places that we're at. Lord, for some, you call out to radically different places, but Lord, for others this year, you're going to call to take steps of faith that are outside the norm. But for so many of us, God, you're going to call us to continue being faithful in the environments that you've placed us in already. And Lord, you're calling us to go a different way, though. Like the Magi returned to their country, you called them to go a different way. And so, Father, I pray that right now, God, you would be working and moving on hearts and minds of what is that different way? What is it you want to do in me and in my family and the, the people around me? Lord, today, for those who the Spirit is just moving on their heart, maybe today they want to say, God, I want to seek you afresh and anew. Maybe that's you here. Jesus, I want to seek you new and afresh. Tell Jesus that if that's you, seek you new and afresh. And for others, the response. Jesus, I want to respond to you today. God, I want to go to the places that you're calling me to. People, to the situations. And Father, I pray that you'd increase our faith, you'd strengthen us, Lord, that we would take those steps that are needed. And Father, I thank you that you meet us in what's unexpected in the surprises of life. And so, Father, I pray for a strengthening of community, a strengthening of formation, Lord, a strengthening of doing what you've called us to do. God, I pray that we would be a church that's active, a church that's vibrant, God, because of your spirit filling and flowing through us. God, I pray that 2023 would be a year, um, Lord, where your name is lifted high above all of our names, above this church name, above any other name, Lord, that all glory would go to you. So, Father, we commit this to you. Lord, we thank you for the example of the Magi, Lord, their faithfulness. Pray for those here today, God, who maybe struggling in different ways, various questions and concerns. Lord, I thank you that you're not far from them. Pray that they would continue to draw near to you, and Lord, your word says that you'll draw near to them. Lord, thank you for being a God who's near, for helping us. Lord, may we walk faithful with you. We pray this in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen.